Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. Discerning the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Every human being is driven by a voice. Everyone is wired to respond to a voice. Everyone, if you, if you did something, you did it in response to a voice. Now, whether that voice is audible or not, you responded to a voice. So everyone is driven to respond to a voice. And so uh, we can safely submit that um, man is an audio-driven entity, or for, for lack of a better word. That's why the struggle of control is the struggle of voices. The struggle of control for man is the struggle of who has man's ears. And so whoever has your ears is the one that has control over you. Because you are wired to respond to a voice. Does that make sense? So every, the, the, the contention, therefore, is the contention of who has control over, over your, your, what you hear. Yeah? Does that make sense? Um, and there are a number of, um, will I say, entities that struggle for who has your ears. One of them is the world, you know, the cosmos, the world view. You know, that's why we're saying I live above the systems of this world. You know, the world is struggling to, you know, get your attention, get your ears. And boy, there are very many avenues that the world is, you know, using to get the ears of people of the world. Entertainment is one. Another voice that struggles for control of uh, our ears is the voice of the devil and boy the guy speaks beautifully he becomes ha 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 you you will just know that that's the devil speaking you don't you don't need discernment you know what we see in in films nigerian films with long three 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 piece fork and you just know that's the devil you know, you don't need discernment as such if it comes that way. But boy, the devil speaks beautifully. Uh, reminds me of that scripture that says that he is an angel of light. And why can't he disguise himself to be a preacher of righteousness? Second Corinthians 11. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if he, if his ministers also transform themselves to ministers of righteousness, whose end will be to, will be according to their works. So, man, it, it is scary to think that preachers of righteousness, the devil can, and his ministers can disguise themselves as preachers of righteousness. 
That means even when you hear that voice telling you that, <sighs> you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Be careful. And we'll get there. Because if it is coming after or as a means to gratify your flesh, then that's not the Holy Spirit rather. That's not the Holy Spirit. The third voice is, which is as potent as the voice of the devil, is the voice of your flesh. You know, when Paul was teaching, he read an, an, article, an article he found that, you know, and I'll just read it. Here's a litmus test to know whose voice you're hearing. Is your first instinct to prove you're right? If so, that is your flesh. It is not the Holy Spirit. Are you looking down on someone or feeling disdain for another person? If yes, that is your flesh, your sinful nature at work. The Holy Spirit is always love and wants to give you love for every person. Are you envious of what someone else has, feeling you deserve the same thing too? The Holy Spirit never leads us to or condones jealousy. Are you struggling to apologize and admit you're wrong? Do you see the toddler version of yourself coming alive? Do you want what you want when you want it? You know, when the toddler starts to cry and it's not having it until you, you know. That is your flesh. Right? Are you struggling to apologize and admit you're wrong? Do you see the toddler version of yourself coming alive? Do you want what you want when you want it? That is working in the flesh, not the spirit. The Holy Spirit desires sacrifice for God that is also God-dependent. Are you ungrateful or discontent? If so, you're being led by your flesh. Ingratitude is never from God. Ingratitude is never from God. And then the last voice contending for your ear is the voice of God or the voice of the Holy Spirit. Call him Holy Spirit as though if you do not emphasize that he is holy, then he ceases to be holy for for a bit. But but it's the voice of God, which is the voice of of the Spirit of God. Does that make sense? And so... Pav was, um, you know, when he was teaching, he made mention of the fact that the infilling or the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is the promise of Abraham fulfilled in the life of the believer. You know, we say Jesus because Jesus was who brought it about, but in actual sense or in vital sense for the believer, the Holy Spirit is that promise of Abraham. And so for us to you know, not be um, confused. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth is God's best gift to the world. The Holy Spirit is God's best gift to the church. He is the promise of Abraham. Amen. So to deny or disregard the Holy Spirit is to sabotage everything and anything God can do in your life. Because you, you, you know how um, scripture says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ, in the heavenly places, which is in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3, yes. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing 
in the heavenly places in Christ. And so the blessing, the promise of Abraham is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit for the believer. And so to neglect or to disregard the Holy Spirit in your life is to sabotage everything that God can do for you. Is to press the self-destruct button. Because how the Lord is working in you is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is how God is in you. Does that make sense? You know, we say Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ is in us in the form of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? So, if God is going to do anything for you, in you, it is going to be um, through the agency of the Holy Spirit that's in you. Does that make sense? And so, to, to disregard the Holy Spirit is to sabotage any, everything that God can do for you. And that's why it is important for us to understand and discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because that you are a believer does not mean that the only voice you're hearing is, is the voice of God. That you are born again does not mean that the only voice that is speaking to you is that of God. In fact, you need discernment to decipher the voice of God when he speaks. You need discernment. I, I used to before now, have very, very great instinct. You know, I used to be very intuitive. I don't know if I'm still, if I still am, but my question was, how do I distinguish? How do I separate my intuition from that of the Holy Spirit? And this teaching just, you know, brought an absolute answer for me because you need discernment to know when it is the Holy Spirit that is talking and when it is the flesh, your flesh that is talking. And so, that you are born again doesn't mean that the, whole, the only voice you're hearing is that of the Holy Spirit. Have I made that point um, sufficiently clear? And so, the Holy Spirit speaks to believers who he is indwelling in them. Speaks to believers you know, the Holy Spirit is at work in the world, but he speaks to believers. He is in the believer. He's in the believer. The Holy Spirit only spe speaks to believers. In the believer. The Holy Spirit is in the believer, not the unbeliever. The unbeliever does not have the Holy Spirit. Does not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in him. Right? Doesn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in him. It is the born again believer the Holy Spirit speaks to. Even in the Old Testament, God's expectation was that they be as led by the Spirit of God. Isaiah 30, Isaiah 30 verse 1. You know, God was speaking to them folks in the Old Testament. And he said, woe, okay, woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel but not of me. And who devise plans, but not of my spirit. And so God's expectation, even in the old covenant, was that they be as led by the spirit of God. As led by the spirit of God. All, all it took was the Holy Spirit upon one person. And that one person leads the rest. You know, the sons of 
Issachar had their chiefs were 200 and they led the entire army of armies of Israel. So all God needed was to, you know, be upon a person and that's how Bezeli and Aholieb came into craftsmanship. Does that make sense? And so even in the old, God's expectation is that was that his people be as led by the Spirit. He has always been the guide of his people. He has also always been the guide of Jesus. Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Luke 4, this one, has always been the guide of Jesus. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness has always been the guide of Jesus. And so here are practical ways to discern the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit's voice is gentle. He's not a ruffian. That voice you're, you're hearing in your ears that, that, is, that is very highly probable. That, that voice that is a ruffian. It's not the Holy Spirit. Very highly probable. Holy Spirit is gentle. Let's see 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19 from verse 11. Then he said, that's God, go out and stand on the mountains before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And this, this scripture is very, very instructive. You know, the wind passed and the Lord was not in the wind. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, still small voice. You know, the question would have been, why did the Lord not just appear in the still small voice, to Elijah. Nah, that guy wouldn't have believed that that's, that's the Lord. Elijah, should I play a story for you? Elijah just woke up one day and said, you know, there will be no rain or dew in this land except by my word. He woke up another day. I, I don't know, does he wake up and look for trouble? <laughs> no, he woke up another day and gathered all the prophets of Baal and prophets of Ashdod. And killed all of them one after the other. One after the other. One after the other. Let's not even go to the part where, as Jezebel said, eh, a guy fleed. But God would have just appeared in the, in the still small voice. God had to play all the elements before Elijah. You know, God, see, I created the elemental. I created those things, the, you know how um, Pap said that if Moses in the wilderness had seen firecrackers in the burning bush, my guy wouldn't have stayed to. to. And so we can safely submit that God's voice is not always in the obvious. It's not always in the obvious. Again, like I said, that you are born again doesn't automatically mean that the only voice your hearing is that of the Holy Spirit. The, the two most important parts is that, that 
verifies the veracity of your born againness is you and God to whom you are <laughs> to whom you are born, born of, you're born of God. We the only way we know that you're born of God is by test all spirits, you know, is by by their seed you shall know them. That's what the, the only way we know. I cannot determine for you or, or say you, you are, you, are, you are born again, son of God. The only parties that can verify is you and God. So that you are born again doesn't mean the only voice you are hearing is that of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need discernment. Because there are other voices speaking to you. So, if it, it, it will take you a very long, conscious walk of yieldedness to get to the point where you can safely say that the only voice you're hearing is that of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's only through the Word of God we can decipher the leading of God. Only through the Word of God. How else do you want the Holy Spirit to lead you? Is it through encyclopedia. You probably don't know it. So what else does God want to use to lead you? See your chemistry textbook. You still don't know that one. You still don't know it. Your Ababio and Ugo Siugo. I bet you don't know. So how else does the Lord want to lead you? Aside the word of God. Aside the word of God. So I don't want to go ahead of myself but Isaiah 30 verse 21. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Man, this scripture, the um, exegesis of this scripture was probably the, the, what blew my mind about the series. Knowing that the word you are waiting to hear is not the one that is speaking behind you. Now, the context of Isaiah 30 is um, God, you know, giving the children of Israel promises of what is to come. And so if, if God is saying, you shall hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walking in. If it is a promise, then that is already a problem. If it is a promise, there is already a scriptural conundrum. Because the children of Israel had to enter the prom- along with us. So it means that, that that is probably our reality. Hearing a voice from behind you. But no, the voice we are, we are waiting to hear or the voice we are hearing is not the one from behind us. The word translated behind in the Hebrew is the word min, M-I-N or mine, M-I-N-N-E and it means within or from, from you. So the voice we are waiting to hear is not the one that is speaking behind us. It's the one speaking from within us. Saying this is the way. Walking in. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. The Holy Spirit is gentle. The second point is he has no message of his own. He only reveals Jesus. John 16, 13. We're going to be reading a lot of scriptures today because, of course, we are talking about the Holy Spirit. 
who has no message of his own, whose message is the word of God. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Again, the same principle, if it is, if it is a promise which is now our, re- he will not be saying he will. Does that make sense? For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he says or whatever he hears, he will speak. He will only he will tell you things to come. Now, I think Peter in later verses in Acts now says this is that promised Holy Spirit. You know, after the, the, the day of Pentecost, when people thought that they were drunk. And he said, no, we are not drunk. We have received the Holy Spirit. This is that spirit that was promised. Spirit that was promised. So he has no message of his own. If you do not learn order and structure in the relationship between the Godhead, you probably will not learn it anywhere, anywhere else. You know, at some point, God the Father was saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Some, some other place in, in Hebrew Scripture is saying that this son is the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. At some point, Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to resurrect him from dead, from, from the dead. At another point, the same Jesus is saying, if, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will only speak of me. And so if we don't learn structure, where else do you want to learn it? He has no message of his own. Only reveals Jesus. Number three, his voice is not strange, weird, or scary. You know, Jesus speaking said that the voice of a stranger shall no man, you shall shall not hear. And um, it is at this point, you start to, okay, if if it is a gentle voice, but this gentle voice sounds strange. You know, Pav and, and Wisdom said that the voice it's not a scary voice. And all your life, all you have known, or all you have been conditioned to know, is that of special effect. Some, some people hear things laughing in their ear, and they will say, it is the Holy Spirit. Yes, stop laughing, <laughs> laughing at you, say, see this, see this one. It's not the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said, the voice of a stranger, you shall not hear. So if the voice is strange, weird, or scary, there's already a problem. And if we are word abiding, then it means that our standard is the word of God. So if we can't find veracity in in God's word about what you say you're hearing, then there's already a problem. There's already a problem. His voice is not strange, weird, or scary. Pap said he doesn't speak to spook you doesn't speak to spook. God is as relatable as you need him to be. The fourth point is, number four, he will never contradict God's word. There is no other way the Holy Spirit is speaking to you outside God's word. There's no other way. No other way. And please don't be deceived by realms and portals that people make you think you cannot attain because you have not done something to, to attain it. Please, if we can't find it in God's word, 
then we can safely say it is not the Holy Spirit speaking. How else do you, against what do you verify what you're hearing? Against what? It has to be the word of God. Has to be. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I said to you. Will bring you to remembrance of all things that I've said. In essence, the word of God. And so the Holy Spirit's job in the life of a believer is to bring you in remembrance of the word of God. This is how you, you can, you know, place side by side what you're hearing. You can place it against what has been written. Against what has been written. It has to be verified against God's word. Has to be. You know, to, to, to speak of, to, to tell you something that cannot be, you know, verified against God's word is for him to speak of his own accord. And scripture says that he will not do that. He will not do that. Jesus was speaking and he said, send you a comforter. Another of the same kind, remember? And he said that he's not going to speak of his own accord. But what I have said to you, what has been written, is what he's going to reveal to you. He's going to bring you in remembrance of. The Holy Spirit will not tell you anything that cannot be verified against God's word. On the strength of God's word. And I will pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter that, that he may abide in you forever. That's the scripture where Jesus, Allah Sparkletos, I will send you another of the same kind. Yeah. He will not speak of his own accord, but he will bring you into remembrance of all that has been said. Point number five, he will never patronize your flesh. And this, and this one is is it's very important because you, you can hear something and what you're hearing is they're gratifying your flesh and you just so quickly attribute it to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not side with your flesh. Does that make sense? Scripture says that these two are in, incompatible. Let's, let's go there. Galatians, 15, Galatians 5, 17. For the flesh lost against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you, that you wish. Please put us in, in, in the TPT. It's true. For your self-life craves the things that, are, that offends the Holy Spirit. Can we say this? And it hinders him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit... Intense craving hinders your old self-life from dominating you. So then, the two are the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the spirit. We see that. So the Holy Spirit will not side with his enemy in your life. He won't do that. These two are incompatible, two parallel lines that don't meet. There is, at, at no point will the Holy Spirit, you know, sign a pact with your flesh just so he gratifies your flesh. He won't do that. You know, the Holy Spirit signs an MOU, you know, 
your flesh sit down, sits down here. You sit in the middle. The Holy Spirit sits, sits down here. And then they both sign a pact and give you the go-ahead to do something. No, 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 no. That will not happen. It will not. The Holy Spirit will not side with his enemy. You know, they will sign and what's this thing that the two conflicting nations sign? A treaty. They'll sign a treaty just so you can they'll sign a ceasefire, you know. They will temporarily bring their beef to it just so you can, you know, you can kiss that sister, you know. Anything that gratifies your flesh. You know, you, you take for instance, you, you're in your house, yeah, drinking. And I don't mean Fanta. And then someone walks in, someone who is obviously weak in the, in the faith, walks in. And then you hear a voice saying, nah, fuck, don't worry. I'm the righteousness of God in that person. You know, you know. I'm the one doing the, the sanctification in the two of you. The Holy Spirit will not be the one gratifying your flesh at that moment. It's not the one. That's why you need discernment. Again, like I said, against what are you verifying what you're hearing and saying is the Holy Spirit? Against what? Against what? So the Holy Spirit will not side with his enemy in your life just so he gives you the go ahead to do something. You know, something that pleases you for a moment. You, you slept all night. You, 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 you were doing, like Pap said, you were doing WhatsApp status. And honestly, I don't know how that works. But <laughs> you were doing TikTok all night. And then you have a 7 o'clock class. And then the Holy Spirit says, ah, don't worry, just sleep. I am, I am with you always. That's not the Holy Spirit. Oh. You know, I've got you. I, I give it... I give it my beloved sleep. I give, I give, I'm the one that give it my beloved sleep. Again, you see in the narrative of Jesus being tempted of the, of the devil. Everything the devil did and said was scriptures, scriptural. You know, the devil, again, Pav said the devil didn't quote anything out of context. Didn't. That the timing was wrong doesn't mean it was out of context. So the, the devil comes and plays how Jesus is feeling. You know, says, uh, if you are the son of God, turn stone to, to bread. Jesus, who had not eaten anything for 40 days. Remember, scripture says he's a man like you with like passions. The fact that he is Jesus doesn't mean that he will not feel hungry. Again, the devil is not going to come when he knows that he does, does not have, you will not give him any consideration. If, if the devil had appeared to Jesus on, on day one of his fast, you know, when he was walking out of Mary's house with toothpick in his, and told Jesus, turn stone to bread. I'm sure Jesus will look at him. Please, where are the sons of Zebedee? Please. Please. James and John, it's now I need you to. It's now. Have to rust. Scripture says. But no. The devil came when the hunger had got into its peak. 40 days and 40 nights. Have you tried doing dry fasting? Not even dry fasting. From 6 o'clock in the morning to 6 in the evening. Have you tried it? The time will, be, the time will look like it's going... And t- it's going like this. 
See, what, what killed fasting in my childhood was when I heard, you know, you can, if, if you mistakenly eat something, the Lord is going to understand. Ah! My God will understand. Hallelujah. So, so point is, picture Jesus after 40 days. Paul said when he was teaching this, that if you're owing someone 100K, if you have 100K in your account right now, yeah, and then someone comes to you and says, you know, let me, let me borrow you 100K for 26% interest over six months. You would tell that, you, you ask that person if he's mad. 26%, six months, come on, I have 100K in my account, so I do not need the 100K. But if you are owing someone 200K, and all you have is goods of 20K, and someone comes to you and says, let me borrow you 100K for 90% over three months. You start to, you start to think about it. Start to think about it. The idea, 90%. That's just 180k in three months. A few hustled that 80k. Does that make sense? That's consideration. The devil will not come when he knows that he does not have any form of consideration. So he comes to Jesus after 40 days and he tells Jesus, you know, turn this stone to bread. Jesus looks at him, you know, plays what the devil is offering, plays the, how he's feeling at the time. And the, his final plea is what the word says. That's why I said I cannot overemphasize the, the, the fact that the Holy Spirit cannot speak of his own accord outside what the word says. Jesus being the word of God, the logos of God. Place what he's hearing that, that would, would define as graphe, as, as rema. You know, place what he's hearing. And his final play is what is written. And so Jesus goes, it is written. Final play. If the word could subject himself to the word, then you, you are inexcusable, my friend. Inexcusable. They're inexcusable. So, the, the Holy Spirit, like I've been saying, will not pick, you know, something outside the word of God. And, you know, this thing that I'm telling you is only the two of us, you know, that can, that can understand it. You know, I'm, I'm taking you into portals that leg cannot tread. You know, portals that, dimensions that are beyond human comprehension. No, 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 no. No. Scripture says that the things that were formerly hidden, these mysteries, I think it's Colossians 1, 26 or 25, there about. Colossians 1. This mysteries, okay, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Let's start from 25. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Next verse. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of, he, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. The mystery now revealed, which is Christ in you. The mystery which is now revealed is Christ in you. The hope of glory. How is Christ in the believer, sir? If Christ is in you by the, or through the Holy Spirit, and scriptures is saying that the mystery which has been hidden has now been revealed, which is Christ in you. Then which other mystery, sir? Which other mystery is the Holy Spirit revealing to you that is outside Christ in you? Which other portal? And so, and so on the strength of God's word, we can safely submit that the Holy Spirit is not telling you anything that is outside the confines of the word of God. Holy Spirit is not telling you anything outside the confines of the word of God. It's not. On the strength of God's word. We're a word abiding house, right? We're people who are abiding by the word. Which means that we believe the word of God. Holy Spirit is not saying anything outside the word of God. The Logos subjected the Rema to the Graphe. The Holy Spirit is not the voice of your feelings. It's the voice in spite of your feelings. When Paul was teaching, he said that you would always hear a voice in line with how you are currently feeling. You would always hear a voice. Always hear a voice. That's what the devil used. You know, Jesus was hungry. If Jesus was not hungry at that time, the devil would have been very foolish to go to him and say, let me give you bread. Turn this stone to bread. Jesus would just tell him, you know what? Watch me. And we'll go straight to Peter's house. He would say, Peter, today, we are coming to your house. Now he told uh, Zacchaeus, sir, come down. Today, we are going to your house. He would have told the devil, sir, you want to follow me? Please come. You might find a few... I, I honestly don't understand what those guys were eating that year. Honey and fish. That's by the way. But the, the, you would always hear a voice in line with your feelings. You would always hear a voice. Next point is, the Spirit's voice will never cause you to make another believer stumble. Because... He is the seal of the believer. Now, here's how he works. The Holy Spirit is the one that seals me and precious, for instance. If the Holy Spirit is going to tell me to do something that will make me cause precious to stumble, he would have to unseal precious to give me access to hot precious. And truth is, he will never that. He will never do that. The Holy Spirit will not unseal another believer to give you access to hurt that person because of your perceived seal of his. The Holy Spirit won't give you access. I say, okay, I mean, if you're going to enter a maximum security building, for instance, you would have to switch off something or turn off something, turn off the security system to give you access. Does that make sense? Bring that analogy into your relationship with your brother. If the Holy Spirit is going to tell you something that will make, you, make, that make for another believer to stumble, he's going to have to unseal that believer to give you access to that believer. And the Holy Spirit will never do that. 
He won't do that. Because he is your preservation at the point where he leaves you. You are lost, though. You are lost eternally. What will he tell the father? What will he tell the father? Because he is your preservation unto the day of redemption. Second Corinthians one twenty-two. Second Corinthians one twenty-two. Who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our heart as a guarantee? Ephesians four thirty. The Holy Spirit is the seal of a believer. Ephesians four rather. Ephesians four thirty. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so if he is your seal unto the day of redemption, what will he tell God made him, you know, unseal another believer just to grant small you access to make that believer stumble? And so, that our drink analogy. You were drinking. And another son of God who probably had in previous times seen her father go through series of alcoholism and it wasted his life and watched the father beat up the mom every time, you know. Watched her, her brothers or her sisters, you know, die out of overdose, you know, or something. And the person works in and then you hear a voice that tells you, you know what, don't go, don't worry. I got you. I, I got her. You know how, how we pronounce it. I got you. I got you. Holy Spirit is not going to do that. Because, you know, that, and, and for instance, that, that person walks off and goes, man, I don't think this God walk is something that I want to do. You know, after having, of course, seen my father go through the same alcohol period of alcoholism and, you know, and humanizing and all of that stuff. And I'm seeing pastor wisdom. Nah, this God thing doesn't, doesn't quite work. And that person goes off, abandoning the faith. What will be your response when the God, God asks you to give account for that person? Will your response be the, eh, the Holy Spirit you know, told me that he got her? You will hear how foolish you sound on that day. <laughs> on that day. And so we are careful not to, you know, do stuff that gratifies our own flesh and tag it on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not going to do that. He won't do that. Amen. The voice of the Holy Spirit, which is the next point, will always uphold the testimony of Jesus in your life. John fifteen twenty six. Will always uphold the testimony of Jesus. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send, to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Holy Spirit will always uphold the testimony of Jesus in your life. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And then Paul comes and says that, you know, prophecy, New Testament prophecy, must, um, you know, edify encourage and comfort. uh, uh, Prophecy is not 
that um, pain that that they used to do where you're coming from. Where some of you are coming, don't look at me funny. Come on, the voice of the Holy Spirit will always uphold the testimony of Jesus in your life. Next one is that each time he speaks, you are inspired, encouraged, edified, enlightened, and straightened. Each time he speaks, you are encouraged, you are inspired, you are edified, you are enlightened, you are straightened. Paul says all scripture is give is God breathed. I think it's in Second Timothy and three sixteen. All scripture is God inspired. We are in Second Timothy three sixteen. <laughs> all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. See the next verse. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Another translation says, thoroughly furnished for every good work. Each time he speaks, you are inspired, encouraged, edified, enlightened, and straightened. Next one is that he makes conversation with you. Makes conversations with you. He will not beat you down into doing what he wants you to do. No, he reasons you. He reasons with you, reasoning you into God's will. He won't force you to do something that you are not immediately ready to do. Look at Peter. I think it's in Acts 10. Yeah. Peter, the Holy Spirit comes and says, you know what? He prepares a table before Peter and says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter was like, God forbid. Was telling, please, let's see it. Acts 10, verse 9. But Peter said, no, not so, Lord. But I have not eaten. The, 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 The interesting part of this conversation is that Peter knew that it was the Lord he was speaking to. You understand? He knew. It was, it was not, you know, Lord, is he you speaking right now? But he knew that it was the Lord. He said, sir, not so. Oh, please put it back up. Not so, Lord. Now, here is lame excuse. For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Plain his self-righteousness. God says, no, kill and eat. Peter says, not so. Not so, sir. You don't understand this thing, big. No, I can't, I can't do that now. I'm, after all, it was you who said that we should not eat these things. How will you now come and now come and be saying that? But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have not eaten anything that is common or unclean. Next verse. And the voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call uncommon. This was done how many times? Three times. That means the second time. He still said, not so, Lord. You can't, you will not now come and now come and be saying that. <laughs> and the Lord spoke again. What I have cleansed, you cannot call uncommon or unclean. Three times. He reasons you into God's will. Doesn't force you into it. 
doesn't beat you into it. So that voice that you're hearing, come on, come on. Ah, please. Please. Is your mother, your mother's, the, the outflow of how your mother used to relate with you. Your mind is just playing. It's not the Holy Spirit, sir. And you can see how, how do we know, you know, what, and what not the Holy Spirit can say. Because we have the word of God. It is against the word of God we can confidently say that this is what the Holy Spirit can and cannot say. It's against the word of God. Amen. He's not despotic or dictatorial. Holy Spirit is not draconian. And if he is not despotic, dictatorial, or draconian, he cannot lead you to be despotic and dictatorial. You know, many times we just do stuff out of our emotions or out of, you know, this is who I used to do. This is who I am. You know, give yourself the, afford yourself the pride that, you know, comes with excuses. You know, that's, that's how I am. You know, I, I used to say my mind. It's not the Holy Spirit that is leading you to use to say your mind. He is a restraining force. It's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not despotic. It's not dictatorial. It's not tyrannic. You know, you come here, do this. You, please. You cannot now say that it's the Holy Spirit that led you to do that. Does that make sense? You know, we should get to the point where in our lives we can, you know, after, because every now and then, you're going to miss it. We are in this journey of, of sanctification in our work with God. Every now and then you miss it. Please identify when you missed it and move on from it. Don't put it on the Holy Spirit and say, and say he's the one. Because what that does is that that separates you from the responsibility of, of trying to fix up. You know, you say it's the Holy Spirit that led me. The Holy Spirit said you are my wife. So to deny me is to deny the Holy Spirit. Amen? You will be so shook. Like Pap said, after a few years, you will come and tell us what the Lord is saying. That is so subjective. The Holy Spirit said, oh, you're my wife. Please. Again, scripture is very clear when it says, he that findeth a wife. So if you are going to have to have a wife, you are going to have to, of a necessity, find her. The Holy Spirit will not make a prepared, a pre, pre, prepared wife and keep for you to come and carry and say, the Holy Spirit said. That is so subjective, man. So, so subjective. So the Holy Spirit is not despotic or dictatorial. If you did as he led you, you know, to your fellow believer, it will always be received as it was, as, as was led. If the Holy Spirit led you to go and hug a brother or something, there have to be a witness. The Holy Spirit will not lead you to go and hug someone that does not want to be hugged. 
someone that was doing very fine before you came with your body hoodoo. Please pardon my French. The person was doing all right. And then you came. Hug me now. I don't want to hug you. If you always, if you did as led, it will always be received as you were led. The Holy Spirit will not lead you to someone who is not ready to receive as, as he led you. It will always be a conviction. Always be. And so you instantly just know the walk off. Saying, oh, okay, I missed that one. Let me sharpen my, my discernment for the Holy Spirit's leading. Not say, the Holy Spirit led me now. Holy Spirit is not despotic or dictatorial. And if he's going to lead you, he cannot lead you to be despotic or dictatorial. That's the point I'm trying to make. The next one is that the voice of the Holy Spirit is always crystal clear. It speaks to you for you to know what to do. Not for you to start to guess what to do. It's always crystal clear. When he speaks to you, how you know that he spoke to you was that after he spoke to you, you know what to do. Does that make sense? It does not, you know, come with you with a number of permutations. I'll say. It's very crystal clear. It speaks to you for you to know what to do. When Paul was speaking, he made the, um, um, the analogy of people coming to him and say, Pav, the Holy Spirit asked me to, but I don't give me so, 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 and so. What should I do? If he spoke to you, you should know what to do. Does that make sense? He will not play different options and leave you. I say, choose ye this day. I don't know who this was a problem for, but it was a problem for me, me being very honest. You know, you get to a crossroad. There are two roads leading to the same place. It's the Holy Spirit. Which one should I take? And right there in your head, you are doing... And then when you're done, you take the wrong route and say, the Holy Spirit led me. If he led you, you, at the end of his leading, you will know what to do and not guess what to do. This was a major deliverance for me. And so if I did not hear what the Holy I would admit to myself, at this point, I, I wasn't quite tuned to the frequency at which it was transmitting. Not saying that, okay, the Holy Spirit led me and I fell into trouble. Does that make sense? You know, there are two roads. The Holy Spirit led you and you fell into trouble. And in that trouble, there is no, there is no indication, indication that there is anything that has to do with the hand of God. Ah, the Holy Spirit will not lead you like that. Now, Yusuf, check on. Yusuf, check on. Will not give you a number of permutations. That's, that's your, your instinct working right there. If he speaks to you, he is crystal clear. It's always crystal clear. Acts 10, 19. Why Peter thought, thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, Three men are seeking you. See how clear that is. Very clear. Acts 8.29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. 
See how clear? Spirit of God was not, you know, playing game of dice. Saying, you might, you might overtake, if you run fast, you could. If he's speaking to you, is always crystal clear. Acts 13 2. As the ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now, separate me, Paul and Barnabas. Can you see how clear that is? So he's always crystal clear. Have I sufficiently made that point? Next point is the Holy Spirit is relentless. He never stops talking. Holy Spirit is relentless. He never stops talking. So that quiet voice is always speaking to you. Is always speaking. Never stops talking. Deuteronomy 4, 31. Deuteronomy 4. For the Lord your God is, merciful, is a merciful God. He will not forsake you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. Give me Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord, your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. Now, the writer of Hebrews comes and quotes this as our reality. In Hebrews 13 verse 5, quotes this promise as our current reality. Hebrews 13 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is always speaking to you. He's always speaking. He's always speaking. Yet, which is my next point, he is not a nag. See how we've, we've come? He's always speaking. He's very crystal clear. Yet, he's not a nag. Doesn't beat you down or weary you into doing anything. And this line is very crucial. Not even God's will. It's not a nag. It doesn't beat you down into doing God's will. Not even the will of God. You see how God was talking to Peter. He said, kill and eat. And Peter is like, I cannot, Lord. Not so, Lord. For I've never done, never eaten anything that is unclean. Now, if you check that story, that um, that storyline, you see that it was God's agenda for plugging in the Gentiles into what the Jews has always enjoyed. God's eternal agenda of salvation. And Peter was like, not so, Lord. Now, Peter would have thwarted by that one instance, would have thwarted God's entire agenda for for the gospel reaching Gentiles. Remember, he was the first person to preach to a Gentile. God seeing how important that situation was, still did not beat Peter into doing that will. Does that make sense? Still did. Sometimes, and this is me being very graphic, 
and you know imaginative. Sometimes I picture myself as God, you know, and I'm telling Peter, Peter, kill this thing and eat it. And Peter is like, Sir, not so. <laughs> At this point, we cannot be. I cannot be speaking English with you. Peter, she is seeing a me they follow you talk. Peter, don't be in Jamaica, I send you. It's in Jamaica, I send you. Follow what's in the apple now. I talk to me, you kill this thing, man. And you tell me not so. That's a big joke to you. That's, you, you, you see blush from my face. I'm, I'm not joking. Eh? We forget trouble. That's the point I'm trying to make. But God, God, I need you to see the import of, of, of that conversation. God. And Peter says, no, not so, Lord. You yourself have said that we should not eat anything unclean. And God is saying that what I have called clean, you cannot call it unclean. God had to do, repeat that, those lines three times. God Almighty. And so he is relentless. He continues to speak. You know. But he's not a nag. You know, he will not beat you down. I say, you must do my will. The entire you know, picture, the entire uh, storyline between our, uh, 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 with our romance with God is that he gives you a will that you can spend on him. Does that make sense? He, he doesn't give you a will and force you to do his will. He shouldn't have given you a will in the first place. He is God. Come on. He is God, the sovereign God. So if he wanted you to do his will, by all means, he shouldn't have given you a will of your own. But the idea is that he gives you a will that you can spend on him. Willfully, not forcefully. Not forcefully. So God is not going to force you to do his will. See, man can, and let me paraphrase it in my head before I say what I'm about to say. Man, in his stubbornness, can block God from doing what he has to do on the earth. Through man. Through you. You yourself can stifle God's expression. Through you. You yourself by yourself. You yourself. You know, um, while I'm speaking, um, scripture came to mind, you know, where this same Elijah, you know, I don't remember where, but the Holy Spirit, was, she was speaking with God and God showed him that he had prepared 70,000 other men who can call down fire from heaven. And so what Elijah would have done was to shut that expression of God through him. Of course, God is going to open that expression through someone else. But through you, you can by yourself stifle the, the movement of God in your life or through your life. 
And so, it is important for us to understand that even in the sovereignty of God, He still will not beat you down to do His will. Still will not beat you down. But, He can resist you. He can resist you. And just so we uh, just before I explain that, I, I would also like to add that the same way he can resist you is the same way he can drive you. Same way. Now, uh, see how we've come. The Holy Spirit is always crystal clear. You know, the Holy Spirit is relentless. He never stops talking. Yet, he's not a nag. But, he can resist you. The only exception to this is that it's not every believer that the Holy Spirit resists or drives. And we see that in the lives of people that have walked with God as, as documented in scriptures. Philip was on his own and the Holy Spirit drove him to the, to the Roman centurion. You know, the, the guy reading the book of Isaiah and, and Philip was like, understandest thou what thou readest. This is where I like King James. Understandest thou, thou what thou readest. Holy Spirit drove him. Can resist you. Acts 16, 6. 16. Yeah. Let's put it up. And when they had gone through throughout Phrygia and the regions of Galatia and were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now, this is Paul and his team, you know, preaching the gospel. You know how Paul said that, woe is me if I do not preach this gospel. He says, necessity is laid on me if I don't preach the gospel. The same God whose gospel they were about to go and preach was the same God that resisted them from entering Phrygia and all of Galatia. The seven, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Britannia, but the spirit did not permit them. And then, and they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. So the, the spirit of God resisted them from entering Britannia and, 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 and all of Galatia. Now, God in his sovereignty knows who is ready to receive the gospel that you are coming to preach. He knows who. He knows who is ready. So they, they, were, they were going to pass through um, um, Phrygia and all of Galatia. And the Holy Spirit resisted them. And like I said, the same way the Holy Spirit resists you is the same way that he can drive you. It's the same way he can drive you. Mark 1.12 where the Spirit of God drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, before we even read it, if I take King Solomon now and drive him downstairs, does it sound like, you know, I am trying to, you know, negotiate with Solomon? The Holy Spirit took Jesus and drove him to the wilderness, suggesting that the wilderness was not Jesus' intended destination. Please, I beg you, 
and I will try to say this in English, but who is going to see temptation and hunger and want to, you know, you know, I just love to be hungry. But, but think, of, think of Jesus and see how the Holy Spirit drove him to the wilderness to be tempted. Mark 1, 12. Let's, let's, let's go there. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. The word for, uh, that, the word for drove, there's the Greek word ekbalo. E-K-B-A-L-L-O. And it means to drive, to expel, or to drive out. That doesn't sound, you know, doesn't sound like we're trying to negotiate. Let's see some, you know, examples in scripture where the word ekbalo appears. Mark 9, 18. Mark 9, 18. <laughs> and, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. The word there is ekbalo. Forms at the mouth. Let's see the next verse. Gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. That's the word ekbalo. Luke 6, 22. Let's see other examples where that word appears in scriptures. Blessed are you when, Luke 6, 22. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile and cast you out and cast out your name as evil. Cast out. Ekbalo. Cast out. Same Luke 9, 39 and 40. And behold, the spirit seizes him and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. Verse 40. So I implore you, your disciples, to cast it out, but they could not. Now cast out here is ekbalo, to cast out. See some, some other, let's go back to Mark 1, Mark 1, 12. Immediately the Spirit of God drove him out to the wilderness. Now do you see that word being used here? Does it sound in any way, does it sound friendly? This is, at this point, this is not God negotiating with you. You know, and like I said, it is not every believer that the Holy Spirit can ekbalo. The height of a man's walk with the Spirit of God is when God can ekbalo you. He knows that at this point, your will is totally, completely dead. It is dead men that the Spirit of God can ekbalo. It's dead men, men that are dead to their will. Those are the people that the Holy Spirit can ekbalo. Now, so I, I, I said to my home church that men are being carried and expelled by the Holy Spirit. And we are still struggling with, you know, what he said and did not say. When the ultimate is that the Lord ekbalos us. That's the ultimate. And that cannot happen if there is still one shred of self. Self-will. In your life. God has to be absolutely sure that your will is aligned to his before he can ekbalo you. That's, that's the same example you see with Paul and 
Timothy. You know, at some point, Timothy was the pastor in the Ephesians church. At another point, you see Timothy in the Corinthians church. You know, Paul even advising him that, uh, let no man despise your youth. Before you know it, you see Timothy somewhere else. The, Paul was sure that wherever he threw Timothy, Timothy was, Timothy was ready. It is dead men, men that are dead to self, dead to carnality, dead to, dead to your self-will. It's those men the Holy Spirit can ekbalu. That's my, that's my ultimate dream, that there is no shred of self left in me. And so your walk with God should be a conscious walk of killing every, every, every self you meet on the way. You know, someone gives an instruction and your body swells. That's yourself and your flesh at work there. If I'm not sure that you can take an instruction when giving, how am I sure if I pick you here and throw you somewhere else? How am I sure that you will not pay transport and come back? How am I sure? Just you safely transport yourself. Go try with Jonah. Go Jonah, please go to Nah, I ain't going there, Lord. Not so, Lord. I ain't going there. You have to be entirely dead to your self-will and your flesh before the Lord will ekbalo you. That's our dream. That we get to the point where the Lord can drive us. You don't enter a car and the car determines for you where you are going to. Have you ever seen that before? And please don't Ignore those movies. You don't, you don't enter a car and the car is dictating for you where you're going to or where the car wants to take you to. Even cruise control, now you go control them. Does that make sense? So you don't, if there is any form of self, self-resistance, the Holy Spirit is not going to drive you if he finds any shred of self in the way. Does that make sense? That's how he took Philip and drove him. And you, we see the significance of the Holy Spirit driving people in, in scriptures. We see how significant that was for, for the Roman centurion, for instance. And for Jesus, you know, driving him to the wilderness to be tempted. If all that story did for us was to show us that the Lord, the Logos, subjected what he heard to what was written. That is enough. That is enough. That is enough example for life and godliness till he returns. The Logos of God. Subjecting what he is hearing, which some of us will, will quickly say, Rema word. You know how how when it gratifies your current feeling, you tend to gravitate towards it. Tend to gravitate towards it. You know, you have been hungry for two days and someone comes with a pot of stew and the Holy Spirit is trying to see. Don't chop that, you know. <laughs> but you quickly, ah, malagaba. The logos of God subjected what he was hearing to what has been written. That's enough example 
sons of God. So if that's the only significance that story shows us, that's enough. We see how important it is for the Holy Spirit to drive us. Ezekiel 11 verse 1. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house, which faces eastward. And there at the door of the gate were 25 men among whom I saw, so on and so forth. I, I think I've made that point sufficiently clear where the Holy Spirit drives us. Our prayer should be that there should not be any shred of self standing in the way of the Lord driving us. That's my prayer. And it starts with a conscious, conscious effort to turn down the voice of your, of your flesh and turn down the volume of the voice of your will for him to move him to excel. The last point is, he never mocks you or tells you that you're on your own. He never mocks you or tells you that you're. I mean, he is the seal of your salvation unto the day of redemption. He cannot now come and tell you that he being the seal, I'll tell you, you know what? You're on your own, man. Which means he's not going to let you navigate life by yourself. And that's comfort for me. Where I get to the point where the Holy Spirit will never leave me. I mean, scripture says it. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you. So you're never on your own. And he never threatens you that he never threatens you to that you're on your own. Never does that. Never does that. And so, Father, we thank you for your spirit that is on our inside. And we thank you for the heightened discernment that we come into on account of this word. We thank you for the heightened discernment of how you speak and lead your people. Lord, we come into more. We come into more of you. We come into more of your expression in our life. God, at every point where we have been the ones, you know, stifling your work because of our flesh or our self-will, raising his ugly head, Lord, we, we, we are sorry, God, and we start that conscious walk. That conscious walk. Start that conscious walk. Thank you, God. Amen. Please celebrate God in the world. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the Truth Simply Put or at War the Church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.